Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunts. Gentlemen, baseball is back. Unless the Miami Marlins ruin it for all of us. How are you feeling about your teams four days into the season or three days, depending on how many games your team played over the weekend or Monday? We'll start with you, Brunts. How are you feeling about them A's? They, uh, we're starting to print the AL West championship T-shirts over here. Is it just because they, they knocked around the Angels? Yes, who they're going to see a lot. So I'm excited. Uh, things are trending well. And, uh, yeah, all, nothing but good feelings, good feelings over here. All right. And, BC, uh, we talked about this briefly before we started recording, but Nelson Cruz continues to mash home runs like he's playing in a beer league softball uh, league. And then you've got Max Kepler, who I thought was, you know, definitely going to regress, started his year off with a couple home runs. Byron Buxton is expected to play in a game this year. You have to feel pretty good about the Twins. Why would you say that about Maximilian Kepler, that he was going to regress? I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. Um, he hit like nine home runs his best season in the minors, and he hit 36 last year, and I'm supposed to believe that that's the new normal. He was coming into his own last year. Uh, he's, he, that, that's, that's the new Max Kepler. Uh, yeah, I think uh, our, our, my club is solid. Your club is good. Brunson's. I think we're all going to be in the playoffs. I mean, they're letting everybody in this year. So, um, Three of us, I mean, yeah. All we got to do in the AL Central is be better than the uh, White Sox, Tigers, and uh, Royals. I think that can be accomplished. So I expect to see you there. I expect – to see Brunson's Kelly Green A's there, which are awesome jerseys, by the way. Those Kelly Green A's jerseys are about as good as anything in sports. Um, I was thinking that yesterday, and I even texted Brunson about it. I was so excited about it. But, uh, yeah, we'll all be in the playoffs, and then uh, if we get to the playoffs, and if the Marlins don't ruin it, as you said, which they very well could. So, Brunson, i got to ask this question. Do you think it's easier to get into the Major League Baseball playoffs now or to get into the Big Ten Baseball Tournament? <laughs> uh depends who you are i guess uh big 10 baseball is, is still a little bit uh competitive i mean major league baseball is letting everybody in so uh I, i'd probably lean um easier to get into to major league baseball maybe the big the big 10 i'll be I'll, I'll be curious to see what they do in the spring by the way i i, I think they could kind of pare down what their tournament looks like if uh football gets kind of kind of sideways this fall would they go to like a four team round robin system or something yeah or i mean if it gets bad enough i mean you could even just give your automatic bid to the regular season champion so uh, i like the big 10 baseball tournament that's one of the uh i i've i've really decided i like just big 10 tournaments in general probably even more than the just regular season with big 10 stuff but i like the basketball i like the baseball i don't want to lose both of those for two straight years and it's not even like a, a COVID thing. It's more like budgetary. Like, I, I just I think the college baseball season in the spring is going to look significantly different than what it normally does. Basketball could too. I mean, I think you could eliminate those conference tournaments for a year if you were tight on the schedule, depending on when you could actually get things started. So, mm-hmm. but we'll have plenty of time to debate that and get into what schedules may or may not look like. Maybe later this week. Maybe later this month. Probably not later this month, but. Point is, we'll have time to get to that. But we are going to jump in with recruiting. Nebraska picked up a commitment for their 2020 roster. 
on Friday night in Adab Joseph, defensive back, six foot two, 190 pounds, committed to Nebraska. He has not signed his letter of intent yet, as far as I understand it, because Nebraska has not announced him at this point. So that has not happened. Uh, but once he is able to arrive, I would imagine that that will be taken care of. He'll be on campus. He'll be with the team. He'll start working out. We'll start with you, Brian. What what are your thoughts of Nebraska adding a late addition defensive back and certainly one that has the sort of cachet where he signed with Georgia, had been committed to Alabama, LSU, was sought heavily by Alabama last year until his junior college season didn't quite go the way that people were expecting. What do you think about this one? Well, it's definitely a high profile get. I don't, I think Nebraska's room is well equipped for it now. Um, and maybe a year or two ago, I don't know how it would have played out. Obviously, you want to add top-level talent when you can, but I think the experience in Nebraska's room with guys like Boodle, Dismuke, Deontay Williams, Cam Taylor, Britt, those are perfect guys to surround a, a player who's got all the potential in the world but has had trouble getting lift off in his career so far. And uh, I, I think that – you know, when you hear Travis Fisher speak of kind of the mix of guys he has and the maturity of that room, a couple of years ago, um, if we want to be candid, that was one of the biggest rooms of knuckleheads um, on the roster. Um, and, and coaches flat out said that. And they have done a 180 to get to a point where I feel like they can add somebody like this who immediately pushes the competition and they can gain in that way. And I think the incoming guy can gain in uh, learning from people around him if, if, if he wants to. So I, I think it's a good fit in a lot of ways. I don't know if Nadab Joseph thought about all that when he picked Nebraska, uh, but if he looked at the room, um, it's, it's perfect for him because it's got that you can learn from old guys, but you've also got younger guys who are just as much, uh, have just as much want to, to get on the field immediately as you do. I think it takes the sting nicely off of the, the departures of Francois and, and uh, Henry Gray, too. I mean, I, you're adding a huge talent, uh, a guy that's going to come in and be competitive for you right away. Maybe he doesn't win a starting job right from the get-go because we don't know, you know what kind of shape he's in, uh, what he's able to do when he's actually going to get to Lincoln and start learning the defense. But th there's, you know, when you're as athletic as he is, that's a pretty good place to start from. And, I, you know, I, I think, you know, like you said, I mean, there's not a ton of pressure on him to kind of come in and be the guy. And I, I think a little about Keen Green, too, where, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time. But, you know, Travis Fisher likes to move guys around. He likes options back there. And a guy like the dad, Joseph, only gives you more chances to put the best four guys, five guys on the field, depending on what they're, uh, what they're playing in. But, it, it's a you know a big get. I think Nebraska's done a, a again a nice job of really kind of continuing to recruit guys, always looking to to add numbers. So uh, it's a you know in, in all ways, I think a really nice pickup for them. Yeah, uh, it it is another good addition um, for Nebraska that comes in a, a little bit different of a of a way. I mean. They, I just think like that's important about how Nebraska is going to have to fill out their roster is that they always have to, to be looking to find guys in, in different ways, whether it's prep school, junior college, 
straight out of high school, whether it's a transfer, a walk-on. It just – it was an unusual story for Nadab Joseph to end up in Nebraska. It had a lot of twists and turns. But now that he's here and they'll have the opportunity, to me it felt like a no-brainer. It was a lottery ticket. His athleticism and just to refresh people, these are verified numbers from the Alabama camp. He ran a 4-4-4, 40-yard dash, and jumped 42-inch vertical. Again, verified testing numbers. I don't have the exact broad jump number, but I was told it set the record, or at least for the camp that day. And so he obviously has athleticism in spades. His season at Independence was a little bit up and down um, because of a knee injury. There was, there was a chance that he wasn't even going to play uh, because uh, the coach – didn't want to use up a year of eligibility if he was going to try to go back to the SEC and then he'd have four years and uh, all of that. But he ended up playing a little bit, he had a bit of a knee injury. Nebraska's going to have to suss out the severity of, of where things are there, though I'm told it's not the kind of thing that, that would cause him to miss playing time this year still. So uh, obviously they got to, they got to check the bill of health and, and all of that, but just a, a really intriguing flyer, late in the class. And like Brunt said, it takes some of the sting out of losing some of those other guys. So Nadab Joseph, the latest uh, commitment, the last guy in that 2020 class uh, that Nebraska could take. And the fourth straight defensive back, although he will be joining the team earlier compared to the other three. I will, uh, I will get one recruiting question in there before we talk a little bit about the Warren Academy showcase that I attended on Saturday. Uh, I'm curious guys, do you have any concern that Nebraska hasn't landed a defensive lineman yet in this class? We're looking at it's almost the beginning of August. Uh, they're not going to take many. I think they're probably only going to take two. But any concern yet from you guys that they don't have a defensive lineman in this class? Uh, it's it's a glaring uh, omission, I guess. I mean, I think when you look at the way the class has kind of come together, I think they're checking a lot of boxes that that need to be. But – um, you know, the, the fact that they don't have one yet, um, you know, I think there's some guys that are probably towards the top of their board that they're sitting well with, but you know, the, the fact that a lot of guys haven't, you know, really emerged, um, as you know, guys you would point to as probably the next commitment or a, a strong possibility is a little bit of a concern. I don't know if, if part of that too is, you know, Tony, Tony Tuioti is doing a lot of recruiting, uh, you know, on, on the West Coast, uh, you know, you haven't had visits in quite a while. I don't know if that's playing into it. You know, I think they're probably okay with, with like a Ruquan Bar uh, Barkley I, I, uh, up in Michigan. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's an area where, you know, I think they've done a good job of adding guys the last few classes with uh, Mosai Newsom, Ty Robinson, uh, obviously Keen Green, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, but – you know, you, you have to continue to add there. And I, I think it's it, they'll be fine. I, I just think it's one – it seems like there's always one position that kind of lags, you know, through the summer. And it just feels like D-line is, is kind of that, that way this year too. I don't know. Should I be concerned? Am I not, am I not concerned enough? No, I think you have the right level of concern. I guess the thing that stands out is I don't feel like there's been – like – we're analyzing these cases where it's like really close with certain guys where it feels like they're just around the corner from, from a decision, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, that, I mean, that's kind of what stuck out to me. I don't feel like there's a lot of storylines 
we're necessarily following with that position group. But what what's the number count you think, Schaefer? Two guys in this class is that? Yeah, I think I think two defensive linemen, and I'm not sure if either are going to be a nose tackle. They only lose Ben Stilley, and they have a yeah. ton of guys on that defensive line going forward, which sets up the 2022 class to be a big defensive line class because you're going to have Jordan Riley, Feldarius Payne, Jakeem Green. All of those guys, DeAndre Thomas, they're all going to be seniors. Uh, so it's not like they have to have a ton of them. But I do know that's something that's been asked over and over is what's the level of concern that they don't have a defensive lineman committed at this point? Yeah, fair question. Um, the fact that they only need maybe two, I think we've talked about taking the sting out of things. I think that does maybe in this case. Uh, but you still got to get those two. I mean, we, we saw this sometimes with running back recruiting from the last staff. You would only need one or two of those in each class, and it was an, an epic struggle. So you don't, you don't want to go down that path. I think Tony Tuioti, if you look at his recruiting resume, um, it's pretty strong, and he's, you know, he's, he's pretty in-depth as far as a recruiter goes and uh, where he's traveled in that part of uh, the coaching game. So I, I have faith in him. And obviously, Eric Janander, um, I feel like has been – his name pops up everywhere, it feels like to me, in this recruiting cycle. Um, and it just shows you, you know, as a coordinator, he is, he's not sitting in the back room at all when it comes to recruiting. It feels like he's out in front and on the phone with these guys and just as much a part of it as the position coaches and area coaches are. I said Rukon. It's Buckley, not Barkley. That's my bad. Rukon Barkley. 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 Jesus, yeah. I just did it. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, they, I mean, they, they have some targets. And some of those guys, Buckley, uh, he wants to, to possibly take some more visits at the same time. The family was still trying to figure out if, if you know, Nebraska was too far away. Uh, Ocoli from Kansas City. I think Nebraska's right there. Tobin from San Diego really likes Nebraska, but he also wants to be able to take visits, and he's been pretty steadfast. He's not going to decide until late in the cycle. And so some of these guys are still holding out for visits that may never get to happen, and that's going to be a bridge that Nebraska will have to cross when they get to that point. All right, I'm going to move forward with this. The Warren Academy Showcase was last Saturday. I attended it. Uh, it was a great opportunity to just kind of get out and feel like you're you're covering football again. Uh, I don't know about either of you guys, but the last few months uh, without the, the normal camps and such, not that I've ever been someone who will sit there and stump that I just want to cover camp after camp after camp after camp. But it was nice to get out and remember what it was to do the job. And it was, it was fun to see guys kind of compete in a football context. And once you got past like the initial sort of you walk in and everybody's wearing a mask and then you get used to it and you go forward, it felt like every other football camp that any of us have been to. And Thomas Fedoni was there. He put on an absolute show. Uh, the thing to me is you want to see a guy like that dominate in a setting where he's the clear best player, and that's what he did. And he did it in ways that were both very, very visible, that anybody, even if you didn't have a whole lot of football knowledge, you'd be able to see, okay, this kid's big and he's fast and he's strong. I can see that. But he also did things that really stood out to me and a lot of that had to do with his footwork. He was incredibly crisp getting in and out of breaks, just leaving. Like, I mean, he, he made some of these linebackers, many of whom, if they're going to play college football or playing at the D2 level or maybe NAIA, 
And so you want to see the separation in terms of speed. Well, there's that. But he also could just create it with how quickly he could cut and how quickly he was able to get in and out of his breaks. And I don't know that Nebraska has a tight end that does that on their roster right now. Even somebody like Chris Hickman, who's not as heavy as those other guys, Fedoni didn't need to, to really, you know, lumber to going through these routes. I mean, he was quick and he created some separation there. Huge catch radius. Uh, he looked good in the blocking. He looked like a, the kind of guy that you want a consensus four-star and a consensus highly recruited guy uh, to look. And I thought he had a great camp. James Carney, another guy that was there. We talked about him maybe a little bit on this, on this podcast before. He's out of Hickman. He's a really interesting situation where he has all these offers from Max schools in Wyoming, and he's kind of been waiting on group of five, or excuse me, power five schools. Boise State was his most recent one, and he's intrigued by that. But he's committed to Miami of Ohio, and he is kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with power five schools. Nebraska has been in contact with him every week. Uh, they're they're recruiting him like they've already offered him. They're recruiting him a lot in the same way that they recruited Heinrich Harburg, which is notable to me because they ended up offering Harburg. And I think that's what's going to happen here with James Carney. I think James Carney is going to end up with an offer. He's six foot five. He ran a, a four six forty. He's not as fluid or as crisp as Thomas Fedoni, as polished, I guess is the, the word to kind of place it. But he definitely looks like he could be a good inline tight end. If he doesn't end up playing tight end, I think he could be uh, potentially an outside linebacker or a defensive end. He just is a, a – an interesting football guy and he put on 30 pounds between November and this camp and he dropped his 40 time nearly half a second from when he ran it down in San Antonio in January to when he ran it on Saturday and so he's a good athlete he's a good worker and I just think that this is going to end up going Nebraska's way so we'll start with those two guys and I can jump into some other players that I saw as well but did you have any thoughts on the the coverage that you saw in the videos and the tweets and everything else well I thought, go ahead go, I, I was just on Carney I mean I, I think he's I agree I mean I think Nebraska Nebraska's been talking to him pretty regularly um yeah I, I talked I interviewed Sean, him back I interviewed him back in May and he was still talking to, to coach Beckton weekly at that yes. point so Sean Becton told him, besides the fact that they told him that there was four guys in front, one of whom committed yesterday in Gunner Helm to Texas, uh, Sean Becton told, uh, told James Carney that the only way Nebraska would stop re- you know, reaching out to him every week is if he's dead. So James Carney feels pretty good about the fact <laughs> that Nebraska is going to continue to talk to him. Yeah. So we have that. I want to I make sure I have that in there. So assuming he's alive, um, I, I think that – you know, he, he's a good option for Nebraska because in addition to what you said, I mean, he tested pretty similar to Fedoni. The fact that, you know, he's only played tight end for one season. Um, and and I, when I talked to him in May, you know, he's a good example of a kid that's really been hurt by camp cancellations and, and everything that's going to happen this summer. I mean, I, I think if he would have gotten an opportunity to get out be seen on the camp circuit I think he probably would have been he would have he would hold power five offers right now um I remember he went through like a schedule that he was trying to to do it was extremely ambitious I think he's going to hit like six or seven camps and like a like yep. basically he's going to do multiple camps a day in some situations and I, I just think that uh 
you know, when you kind of put everything together and the fact that Nebraska's continued to recruit him the way that they have, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of intrigue there. And, and he's definitely a kid to watch. I mean, it, it feels like one of those situations where, you know, he's, he's going to pop with an offer or something like that pretty quickly when, when you're not really expecting it. So uh, we'll see. I mean, obviously there, there's guys in front of him and you can probably figure out who those guys are. But uh, I, I think he's – He's a guy that, that I think would have a much higher profile recruiting-wise if he would have been able to get out and be seen. That, that's pretty much been my takeaway all summer. BC, what did you think of Fedoni when you saw the highlights and, and you know, you read the quotes or you, you kind of saw what I wrote on Saturday as well? Well, when you're talking about his footwork, that's what has jumped out at me whenever I see film of him operating is he's very much a technician already at his position. And for his size, the way he moves um, and can move those feet is uh, you don't see very often. Um, I've described him, and I wouldn't normally do this with the recruit. I really think he's a game changer. I do. I think he's, I think he's such a mismatch problem. And I'm fascinated by the way the tight end position Obviously, we've seen in the NFL with, with some guys who, you know, they, the Gronkowski factor where, you know, teams just don't know what to do with those type of guys. But I think we're seeing this filter down into all the levels now where I don't remember 10, 15 years ago when there was a tight end recruit, that was not a sexy position, you know, like to write about or talk about. It just wasn't. And with college football. And that has definitely changed, um, and we're seeing it locally. There's something in the water because there's just tight ends everywhere, it feels like, and, and Carney's maybe the latest. I love that Fedone and Deshaun Woods also, uh, with a pretty good offer list piled up, show up to these events. That, that tells me something right there. I mean, they don't have to do that. They're, they're, they're already on their way recruiting-wise, but they still – appear and say okay I'm going to compete and I'm going to show why I am the top dog and so I, I thought it was kind of the Carney and Fedone storyline was kind of a beautiful thing because you got the, the big dog who shows up to show why he is and then you've got a guy like Carney who like Brunt said would be picking up offers if he had these camps and he gets a chance to gauge himself against the best in the country so it was a uh, that was kind of a perfect little storyline that you were able to hit on yeah uh I'll add this on, on Thomas Fedoni and we'll, we'll get to a break and we'll come back with some, some team stuff. Jay Foreman, who we've all talked to, who if you can get a compliment out of Jay Foreman, you're doing well. He raved about Thomas Fedoni. And the thing that he likes the most about him is kind of what BC touched on there, is this is a guy that didn't need to go to that camp. And not only did he go to the camp, he didn't go there – to be interviewed. He didn't go there to hang out and, and talk to friends. He went there to kick everybody's ass. And that's what he did. And Jay absolutely loved it. And uh, he basically, he said that he talked with him after the event because Jay was there working it and worked with linebackers and was coaching up some of the guys trying to cover him. And he, he just said that in the, the short conversation that he had, you can tell how driven this guy is to not only be good, but to be great. And he thinks like that is one of those kind of rare qualities in a player who always just wants to work. And that's what he thinks kind of separates Thomas Fedoni. And he said the same thing that, that BC did. He said that he thinks that not only is this a guy, you don't worry about what he's doing the third year he's on campus. 
you're expecting him to be a difference maker for you when he's playing in your program. And I just think that Nebraska clued in on a lot of these things early on, which is why he became such a focal point for this class and for Scott Frost early on. And it was, it was fun on Saturday to sort of see that and then to just talk with different people and their experience with it as well. And so, um, you know, sometimes I feel like we, we blow these kids up and we, we make them bigger than they are. And so you want to guard against that, but, there's also guys that are just legit talented and being able to see Thomas Fedoni in that setting really kind of showed that to me as well. All right. Uh, I know there's some other guys that we could hit on, but we can save some of that for either Thursday or, or some other time, but let's, let's take a quick break here. When we get back, we're going to continue down the list. I believe we're going from number 15 to number 11 today. Do I have that right? Yep. All right. So when we come back, we'll hit on some of the most indispensable Huskers as we view them. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, and we are back. Okay, so we will just jump right into this at number 15 for you, Brian Christopherson. Who you got? I have uh, Ty Robinson, which says a lot for a guy who uh, has really only played in three college football games yet. Normally wouldn't be on a list like this, but I think we all agree he's going to be formidable in the rotation. He can play nose, he can play end, so his versatility is going to mean a lot. Um, I, I would not normally put a guy who's a redshirt freshman this high, but that speaks to what I think of uh, – his potential. I, uh, I'm right behind you with a redshirt freshman at number 15. I have Bryce Benhart there. He's the uh, kind of the, the focal point of everything that Nebraska is trying to do along the offensive line this season. He has to win that right tackle job in order to let Matt Farniak move to guard. So uh, he's pretty indispensable there. I mean, I, Christian Gaylord, I think will help uh, with some depth, but you sign a guy like Bryce Benhart to get him on the field. Um, you know, I think that uh, physically he'll be ready this season. He's my number 15. Yeah, uh, my number 15 is a guy that I think everybody's excited to see when he gets onto the field. They were excited that when he committed to Nebraska, they were excited when he qualified. I have Omar Manning at number 15 because I'm a little dubious that he's going to come in and just be such a difference maker from day one that he's going to be a top 10 player right away. But I do think that he has a lot of ability. I think he's going to be able to help Nebraska. And I think he's going to have a similar year to what Maurice Parafai gave Nebraska in, what, 2005? You're talking 40 catches, 600-some yards, maybe seven touchdowns. 
Nebraska would love those numbers from another wide receiver that isn't Wondell Robinson. I think Omar Manning has that ability. Uh, my number 14, I'll just get this one out of the way too. Neither of you had him ranked. He may not even win the starting job, though I'm pretty sure he's going to win the starting job. I'm going with Connor Culp here, Nebraska's <laughs> next kicker. Brunts is laughing. He shouldn't laugh. He saw what this team had to do last year. They went to Lead Bellies, not to get a Lead Belly burger, not to get a craft beer, not to get the combination of fries and waffle fries that they have that's pretty good and I would recommend. No, to get a kicker. They don't have to do that. They went to LSU. They went to the grad transfer portal, and they got Connor Culp to walk on. He kicked in 2018 for LSU. He did fine. He is going to be Nebraska's kicker on kickoffs, and he will be their place kicker for field goals as well. And he's going to be damn good at it and give them a nice season. This is, this is the, the, the portion of the list where, like, every highest vote was Schaefer's. Like, BC and I have been writing these this week, and it's like – BC, where'd you have this guy? And you're like, uh, somewhere in the 20s. I had him in the, somewhere in the 20s. Schaefer's got him like number four, like without oh. fail. It's 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 actually true. Um, Vocalac too. Vocalac. Yeah, you had him like high. you had him like higher than number one. I didn't even think that was possible. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is just false. You guys are terrible at lists. <laughs> terrible at lists. So uh, my number 14, though, is JoJo Doman, uh, who I believe was actually number 14 on the, the composite list. So uh, I, I'm a sheep like everybody else. Uh, but very important playmaker. I think everybody knows what JoJo Doman can do. Uh, can he take it to the next level this year? Um, we'll see. But Nebraska's defense is going to need him to do it. Um, I had Will Honus at 14. I might have been the highest on – no, somebody else was a little higher. Was it Schaefer was the highest? Was it Schaefer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had JoJo Doman at 23. So, just pointing out, I can't have the highest on every player. Uh, Honus, I mean, that's an interesting one because the inside linebacker room looks really deep, actually, on paper. But we haven't seen it with our own eyes. And I think that has to count for something. And so, until we see that – Luke Reimer or Nick Henrich, you know, Keyshawn Green, Fa just takes this job and rips it away from one of these seniors. I think you got to respect that Honus and Colin Miller are table setters for what that position needs to look like, and they need to kind of show an example this year, um, build a foundation that that thing uh, is uh, – jumps off of in the next few years. So I'll, I'll put Honus at 14, even though I think that's a position where depth could actually be there. All right. So we are now on to number 13, BC. Who do you got at 13? I had Mark held this smuke. Um, I'm, I think 13 is really good for him. It's just like he, he doesn't sometimes get enough credit for how much he handled for this defense last year on the back end. He was sort of the guy who kept things together after Deontay Williams left and helped Cam Taylor Britt um, kind of nursed him along at that position, uh, which wasn't his natural spot. I think even though they've got some young guys coming in, Miles Farmer and Noah Pola Gates, um, sort of like middle linebacker, you want Dismuke and Deontay Williams to sort of set the table. This is how it's supposed to be done. This is how it looks. And uh, he's going to play a ton of snaps. He's uh, very important at Eric Chenander's room. Brunt? I'd, I'd call him Miller at 13. I, this was kind of a, a heavy 
defensive area for me. Um, I think Miller gives Nebraska a good option against the run also uh, in coverage as well uh, of those inside linebackers. I think they're going to rotate a little bit more this year than they did a year ago, but uh, I think Colin Miller probably doesn't get the the credit that he's due uh, at that spot. So uh, he was my 13. At number 13, I have DiCaprio Boodle, who I think is going to be valuable because he's going to be kind of playing all over that secondary in different roles. Could be a nickelback, could be an outside corner, could play safety if Nebraska needs it at times. I just think DiCaprio Boodle is going to be an important guy on that defense. I think Travis Fisher has a lot of trust in DiCaprio Boodle, uh, that he's one of those guys that he can depend on, and he's sort of a utility infielder, if you will. And, and those guys are valuable. And we know that Nebraska likes versatility and his last go around here, I think DiCaprio Boodle will have a nice senior season. All right, at number 12, I have Ty Robinson, who VC mentioned, I believe, is his number 15. Uh, I don't have a ton more to add other than I think this is the lowest that we'll have Ty Robinson in these lists because I think he's going to be that good as a player. I had uh, Diedrich Mills at 12, which is far lower than you guys, I think. And the only reason I did have him lower is – I actually sort of believe they're going to be fine with depth. They're running back. And I think one of the true freshmen at least is going to step forward and be a guy this year, whether it's Morrison or Scott, I don't know. I think Ramir uh, in the brief glimpses we saw was pretty good. So this is not a disrespect of Diedrich Mills at all, who I still think is the top back this year at Nebraska. It's just a feeling that I think Ryan Held finally has – he has that room looking like he wants it to now, when he, which he didn't have last fall. My number, uh, number 12 is Snacks. I've got Snacks at number 12. It's Damian Daniels. Uh, you didn't even list him. You, well, I'm surprised he wasn't on the list because he was your number one. The, no, I, I, that's true. I think uh, Damian Daniels is going to be the, the first guy out there. Um, he's the most veteran, uh, defensive tackle or nose guard or whatever you want to call it on the roster. He needs to play more. Uh, the, the conditioning aspect has to be there for him. I think he benefited a lot from being around his brother last year, uh, just in terms of off the field stuff and, you know, learning how to lead and all that other good, good stuff. But in short, short kind of windows, we've seen what he can do, uh, in terms of just holding up in the middle. Uh, they're going to need that more from him this year. So uh, I went with uh, Damian Daniels at 12. Give me snaps. All right. Uh, Brunts, do you want to finish it off with your number 11? Yeah, I've got DiCaprio Boodle basically for the reasons that Brian said. I, I think uh, he's going to be doing a lot um, for Nebraska. and Or was it Schaefer? Who, who had Boodle at? I did. Okay. The uh, same reasons. I mean, I, I think he's just such a – a versatile piece back there. Uh, you know, he's a senior. I think he's well-respected in that group. So, uh, Boodle was my number 11. Boodle can take a receiver out of a game, too. I mean, we saw it with LaVisca Chenault last year. I mean, Colorado beat Nebraska, but they they shut down Chenault, and Boodle was kind of the reason. So, Does, does he get a pick this year, do you guys think? Does he end his career yeah. with an interception? I think they'll come – I think he's going to get a few. I, th- I think that that's one of those weird stats – that I don't know why it hasn't happened for. I mean, I know sometimes he doesn't turn as, around as much as some people like, but I, I think he's going to get multiple picks this year. 
completion percentage on DiCaprio Boodle is actually pretty low across his career. If you look at some of those power football focus numbers that they or pro football focus numbers that they put out, but uh, yeah, I, I think he'll get an interception as well. And I think it's going to happen in the uh, new era pinstripe bowl when you guys are covering that in December. <laughs> that is not going to happen for many reasons. <laughs> but, um, I had 11. I had Doman. I think I had the highest vote on Doman. Um, Yes, he has to clean up some consistency issues. I still think he can be the best playmaker on the defense, possibly, uh, just as far as kind of being a ball hawk and all that. Also, I have him higher because I just I just don't really trust the outside backer position yet. I don't know who else is going to step up, whether it's Caleb Tanner, Garrett Nelson, or a young guy. I'm not sure about anything there, and I'm not sure if the staff is yet either. That's why I have Doman 11, because I think if he goes out, you know, suddenly you're playing a really, really young guy, a lot of snaps probably if, if you're without Doman. Yeah, no, for sure, uh, for sure. All right, my, my final, my number 11 here for today, uh, final one for today is Ben Stilley, who I continue to think is, is going to have a good season. Uh, he – some people could argue, and I could accept it, that his best year with Nebraska so far was when he was an outside linebacker. But I, I think there's more there. I mean, he's in terrific shape. Uh, and, and I really do think another year of Tony Tuioti is going to be able to get uh, unlock something with Ben Stilley. And I think he's going to be Nebraska's best defensive end this season. So he's my number 11 guy. Did you, did you guys have Stilley ranked? Because I'm sure I'm the highest on him based on how this works. Surprisingly, you are not. Wow. Look at yeah, that. I think what's happening here is it's not that you're always the highest. You just have a far different list than Brunson and I, which is fine. So, Well, I made mine in Colorado on vacation. So yeah, take I, that, I, take I, that I, how you will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will take that how. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, that's the context around when I made this list. It's making sense now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you need some extra snacks or anything to help pull that together? Uh, I, I, I'm i fine. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> final thoughts? No. Uh, no, no. I, <laughs> I got one question for the road because I, I just wrote about him. How many, how many receiving yards is Xavier Betts going to have? This year, if they play football, eighty-five. Just kind of a limited role this year. I don't think he goes over four games. Okay. I'll say three, I'll say three fifty. Ooh. Jeez. And I'm I, close. He might not yeah. go over four games with my number either. Now who's in Colorado? <laughs> I'm probably closer to Schaefer. Uh, I pro- I'm gonna say like one oh seven, but. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm not excited about him. I just, I just, I think he's, I think somebody in that group's going to be held to four games, and I, I, it's just trying to guess who it is. My, my way of thinking though is somebody has to be standing on the other end of that pass, and I, why not him? And, and I think that uh, I think Nebraska is going to going to maybe surprise some people in the passing game. Levi Falk will have more yards than Xavier Betts in 2020. More chances, certainly. That's my that's my hot take on Xavier Betts, and I'm I'm high on him going forward. I just think that it's going to take him a little bit longer uh, to get going. 
Was Levi Falk on your list? Are we going to see him in a little bit? <laughs> He's number four. We haven't, we haven't gotten to the top ten yet. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll eagerly await your breakdown of Levi Falk. Sounds good. All right. Well, with that, we should probably end this before it turns into even more of a train wreck. But we appreciate your attention span, as always. You can catch the Husker 24-7 podcast on any of your podcast listening devices or wherever it is that you stream your podcast. Leave us a review. Tell us how great we are. We love to hear how good we are at everything. Please tell us. We really, really would like that. Also, visit the website. We have plenty of stuff up from the camp. Uh, this past weekend, BC's running through uh, some players to know. Um, Brunts has baseball commitments as they happen and other things going on as well. So check all of that out at Husker 24-7. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.